We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? <laughs> we're, about one and a half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. It's Thursday night, week one of the college basketball season. And of course, we have to bring it in on Field of 68 after dark to break it all down. Uh, We've been talking really all week about how ugly of a slate it has been, but that has not stopped the games from being competitive. That has not stopped there from being some wild finishes. We got a handful more of those tonight, and we are on the verge of our first great game of the season tomorrow, Michigan State, Gonzaga on an aircraft carrier. We're going to break it all down for you. My name is Greg Waddell. I am joined tonight by Patrick Young, by Terrence Oglesby. And gentlemen, it feels great to be back here on the field of 68 after dark talking college hoops. Let's start with our toasts. I don't know that we've been doing this on the college basketball side. We've been doing it on college football all season long. And uh, I want one figure, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whether you just want to go the team route, you can do that tonight too. Give me somebody that stands out that deserves a cheers based on the results of tonight's games. T.O., let's go to you first. You're, uh, you, I think you've done a few of these before, my friend. I, I've done a few, and, I, and I've got my cup of tea because that's how we do things on a Thursday with kids. <laughs> so I'm doing that. Uh, I was thinking about toasting to my man, uh, Pat Young, having his shoulders out and him <laughs> starting his OnlyFans here soon. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is... Yeah, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to toast to Ben Gold at Marquette. This is a guy that not a lot of people were talking about. I thought he played really well today against Central Michigan. 6'10", 6'11", big man from New Zealand, kind of under the radar, could be a contributor this year for the Golden Eagles. So I'm going to go there. There are some upsets. I'm going to let you guys have those. That dunk he had tonight was special for the record. Ben Gold, cheers. 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 Uh, I am going to go with a big fella. Not that I'm biased uh, in any way about that, but it's it's good to see a big guy that is being dominant, using his size, and just finishing well around the basket. Brad Calbrenner was fantastic. Obviously, nobody could match his stature. Um, he just takes up so much of the paint. Um, really soft touch. Was 10 for 11 today opens up the court for uh, his teammates to uh, – because the question was for Creighton this year, uh, their offense, are they going to be able to shoot the ball? Trey Alexander 
uh, showing good signs of knocking some threes down this, uh, this game after he shot 28% last year. But uh, hats off to the big guy. He's going to going to call that he's going to be defensive player of, uh, of the year again uh, this year. Um, and yeah, he, he just completely dominated. So to him. To Ryan yeah, we're going to have to talk some Creighton tonight. We, uh, I don't think we planned necessarily on it, but after watching most of that game, I'm like, we need to talk about these guys. Um, I'm also going to cheers to a, a big fella tonight. Not the traditional big, the big fella you would think about. It's not the year of the big. That's not what I'm going for, TL. I'm cheersing to Dwayne Stevens, Western Michigan University head coach. Got his first career win as a head coach tonight. He's a big fella. He's a big man coach. Also a big fella himself, though. Fun story on Dwayne Stevens. I got to interview him this summer for the Field of 68 uh, off the carousel series. All our new coaches across the country. And first of all, great conversation. Great guy. Loved his vision for the program. All that. But he stayed on the Zoom call with me for about 20 minutes after we had wrapped recording, asking me all of the best places to eat in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And he asked every category, Italian, Chinese, Mexican. <laughs> he wanted details. So Dwayne Stevens, I hope you celebrate with some of the finest food this city has to offer, my friend. You got your first win this year. And uh, congratulations. I can, I can truly appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, let's get right into it. We're going to start uh, with the Kansas Jayhawks tonight. And uh, you know what? Actually, Rob Doster would give me too much shit if I didn't say. You can find us on the SiriusXM app. Uh, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, please click subscribe for us. Field of 68 is where you can find us every single night of the week, all season long leading up to the Final Four. But as I alluded to, we are going to start with Kansas tonight. Kansas, top five team in the country to start the season in the polls. I've been skeptical if they deserve that ranking. They lost a lot from the national championship team they had last season, but they've got some fresh faces. And I think the brightest of those fresh faces is Grady Dick. Strong start for Mr. Dick. Uh, I'm going to try not to make any inappropriate jokes here, T.O., but Hard. the kids got low game. hanging fruit, low hanging Hard. fruit. Don't you the, do that, Greg. The kids got game. We're better than that here on field of 68. So, T.O., tell me what you have seen from Grady this year. Well, he's a shooter with size who can do it off the move. And he has a little bit more to his game than just that. He can put it on the floor. He fits Bill Self's uh, offense and that he can put it on the deck for one or two dribbles and either make a shot for himself or his teammates. And it, Kansas is – they're just as big a contender this year as they were last year. I didn't think I would be saying it. And a lot of it has to do with Grady Dick, and we're going to stay on him for a second. But it also has to do with some of these other guys that don't get talked about as much. But Grady Dick, a terrific shooter. He can do it off the move. Uh, his shot is a bit mechanical looking, but he's always on balance. So, like, that's the big thing. And his ability to get on balance quickly, either off the move or running in a straight line away from the basket, he still finds ways because his footwork is excellent and he's always using screens correctly. And that being that coming from a, a freshman, usually it takes a little bit to develop those things. Grady Dick always already has that in his bag. He's been impressive so far this year. Patrick, how yeah. much Kansas have you watched so far this year? And what, what do you what do you see? Do you like what you see? Is it more than just Dick? Because uh, T.O. alluded, they've got some other guys who I don't think people expected to be quite this good this early. And if you watch the exhibition, I don't know if you guys care about the secret scrimmage, the exhibition stuff, but the rumors were that Kansas was struggling in those games. So I think to see them come out and, you know, they're not playing any national title contenders in the first two games of the season, but 
I mean, they had a 30 point lead, I believe, at halftime in this game. So they're looking the part of a true contender. Is that surprising to you, given how much they lost? Uh, yeah, of course, it is a, a little bit surprising. But, you know, Kansas, they, they lost the second half of this game, 40 to 30, 34. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a critique, especially when it comes to these games early on. Um, but I do like the aggressiveness they showed on the defensive end. Their hands were extremely active, uh, coming away with eight steals. Uh, but that, you know, it, depending on the game, or the level of competition, I worry if that's going to turn into fouls, sending other teams to the free throw line uh, early on, missing a lot of bunnies around the basket. That could just be some nerves. But the ball movement was there. The transition looked phenomenal. Uh, getting up and down the court. I like what I really like about Grady Dick. Um, just just watching, I'm like, this is not a freshman. Uh, he he is playing this game as though he he really gets it on a level that uh, is kind of rare that you see guys that they struggle understanding their role where they fit in. He had a beautiful uh, guy, somebody close out on him, goes to the basket, gets him off balance, beautiful up and under, uh, gets the and one. And I'm like, man, that was a pro move right there. He knew exactly how to get. How to attack his his uh defender's foot, his balance, uh, to get him in the right position. And I said, "Wow!" Because uh, I, I didn't watch the first game, and I just saw every you know Twitter blowing up uh, about regarding him. And and I'm I gotta say I'm impressed. I can't wait to see when they face some real competition how he's going to uh, fare against that. So I've had and, oh you go, go ahead, ahead. Tia. No, no a couple of things too, and we we're talking about big men as we're opening up. I, I was really impressed with a couple of other guys. Ernest Uday Jr., like it, it, coming in at high school, I watched a kid. He, he played uh, He played on the Adidas circuit, and he always had big, broad shoulders, but you could tell he didn't really touch the weights that much. That is a grown man now. He has yeah. completely changed his body over the course of the year, uh, over the course of the past year that I that I saw him. And not only that – can't losing David McCormick. I worried about that as well. I know he was inconsistent, but his presence and size was always there. Who was going to be that next guy to be able to put rim pressure uh, on opponents? And yeah. he has turned into that. He has that ability because he's put on so much weight so quick. I was also impressed with uh, Zuby Edgio for he was operating out on the perimeter, hit a nice backdoor pass. And then the guy got, I, I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse with this guy, but Bobby Pettiford's a dude. Like he is your a guy. dude. That's your guy. guy. That's your guy. He is so explosive. He comes off ball screens. He finds his teammates. His jump shot's not where it's going to be, but it's getting better. And he had eight assists tonight. Eight assists. Like he's that next. He's that next North Carolina guard to go to Kansas and be really good for Bill Self. Like he's had a few of them. Like not only that, Joseph Yesifu, he hits some tough shots. He looks good. I mean, it's the other guys that gets me fired up about that team because we knew Jalen Wilson was going to be good. He's that next right. guy that's going to take a step. 21-9 today, Greg. And he's been yes. fairly efficient. 8-17's not great. 3-6 from 3. I get it. Sure. But he's been fairly uh, – I'm going to let you hate in a second. So, like, give sure, me, give sure, me a second. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to let you hate in a second. I'm revving up to you. Yeah, I know. I know that engine's running right now. It's running hot. But I, I like those other pieces where there could have been a void. You're starting to see guys be able to step into that. Now, go ahead. So, oh, I – I'm not going to hate because Jalen Wilson is the player I would hate. And I've had uh, quite a back and forth with Kansas fans over the last week and a half. Uh, somehow Kansas fans discovered uh, a small segment 
when we were talking about the Illinois Kansas secret scrimmage, or I think it was an exhibition, not a secret scrimmage, but Illinois won the exhibition. And uh, I basically said, I think Kansas is very overrated at five. And I have a lot of questions on this team. And my three questions were, do they have a point guard? Do they have a center? And do they have anybody who is like a, an all-American level player? Who's the alpha? Who's the go-to scorer? It's supposed to be Jalen Wilson. But Jalen Wilson was a career 26% three-point shooter coming into the season. I was very skeptical. And honestly, I still am very skeptical that the way he's shooting the ball from outside through two games is going to sustain itself over the course of the season. Now, he looks much improved there. His body looks better. He looks like he could be uh, an all Big Ten or all Big 12, if not all Big 12, Big 12 player of the year type guy on this team. 20 a night. I didn't expect that. Filling in for Oche Baji after he left, I didn't see that coming. So I guess my question back to you guys would be of those three concerns I listed, point guard, center, which Kansas without Bill Self, by the way, free Bill Self, but they're going small ball. They're going with Adams at center right now, right? So of those three concerns, do any of those stick out as a red flag that will hang over their head for the entire season? Let's go to Patrick first on this one. Well, obviously, the biggest question mark of those three questions is the point guard position. Has the ball in their hand majority of the game. Uh, needs to be able to facilitate the offense, not let it get stagnant. Uh, needs to be able to put pressure uh, on opposing teams. Uh, is, is it too early to tell right now? Uh, but a thought that I had, I know this is this is kind of not say off topic, but when I'm watching Jalen Wilson, uh, you know, obviously I'm I'm an SEC guy. I'm looking at Jacob Toppin, and I'm saying, is is Jalen Wilson what Jacob Toppin needs to aspire to be? Can he be that for this Kentucky team? I, just food for thought. We don't have to answer that now. I was I was, uh, I can answer. They, it for they take him. very similar shots for the most part. Jacob oh. Toppin's trying to develop his three point game. They both take really long twos uh, that I don't I really it's not a shot that I love. Uh, but when it comes, you know, and, and, and to your point, Tio, um, I wish David McCormick could have been here one year because obviously you develop physically, but you need to you need to bang against somebody to get that feel and understand, OK, this is who I need to aspire to be to help my team as a center. But I was impressed. I was impressed for uh, in this night. Uh, Uday Jr. Uh, he looked good. He looked he looked good. I was very impressed. I didn't I didn't know him until until tonight. Uh, the future's bright for the young man. He has great size. I I, I was looking at myself. Uh, thought I was looking at myself. He, he a little bit better than I was as a freshman. Uh, but yeah, great 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 start for him so far. What were your other concerns, Greg? Because I got so lost in uh, what he was saying that I forgot the other problems. It was that I argued against point guard center alpha. And I think, it, like, if I'm, I'm not worried about that, Alpha, I'm not worried about Alpha because okay. Bill will take care of that himself. I, I think Center was the one I was most worried about because I feel like Jalen Wilson's going to kind of step in, up into that. He's got some leadership qualities. He's got that kind of personality. I think that could be uh, that's something he could step into. The point guard play with Dewan Harris coming back, he can kind of solidify. You have spark plugs off the bench with Pettiford and Yesifu. The center position was the one I was most worried about because. Kansas style size doesn't just walk in the building typically. And Ernest Uday Jr. is big. Uh, I didn't realize how big he was until I saw him out on the floor today. That is a large human. And the fact that he is so athletic on top of all that, I think he slides right into what they like to do. Zach Clements has been fine. 
but I think Uda Jr. It gives you something different and something that Kansas usually has in a big five man who's overly athletic. That was my biggest question. Uh, but after watching today's game, I feel like uh, Uda could be that guy for them. Do you think they go to that though? Because I'm the thing I'm most intrigued by is the fact that they are playing small ball so early in the season, right? I'd never really expected to see that from a Kansas team. Now it makes sense with this roster, but like when Bill Self is actually back manning the sidelines, do you think that's going to continue into Big Twelve play? What do you mean with KJ at the five? Yeah. I'm not mad at that. I feel like he's so versatile defensively and he can pose a lot of those same things. And gosh, they're fast when he's at the five. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're going to play some of these smaller teams, he he is, that, that is a fast Kansas team with him at the five, but it also gives you lineup versatility. Are they going to do yeah. that consistently? I don't know that that's something that self loves to do. I, I He likes to have a big five in there. That's been his MO for as long as he's been coaching. He likes to have somebody in there to put pressure on the rim. So I, I don't know that that'll be the case, but it definitely gives you that option. And if there's anybody that comes up with creative ways to get other teams off balance, it's Bill Self. Like, he's terrific at just doing that. Pre-Bill Self, you can get the shirt. Field68.shop right now. We need that man back. We're going to the Champions Classic next week, and he won't be coaching, and that's just a shame, ladies and gentlemen. So... You know, if you want to support the movement, go ahead, field68.shop. You can buy yourself or your loved ones a free Bill Self shirt. All right. Uh, that's enough Kansas talk for now. We had some scares tonight. We had some games that I don't think we expected to be close that ended up being close. In one case, we had an upset that I don't think many people saw coming. Let's start with said upset. Oklahoma State loses at home to SIU tonight. 61 to 60. This was a game that they kind of jumped out about midway through, took control. It looked like they were going to be able to just sort of comfortably walk away with a win. Got real dicey down the stretch. A couple guys made plays. All of a sudden, the Pokes end up with a loss at home to start the season. Uh, Patrick, let's go to you first. What did you see from this game? Uh, and how disappointing is this for this Oklahoma State team? Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Um when, when you look at the stats, especially with the team comparison, it really wasn't that far off. Obviously, it's a one-point game, uh, but you, you the numbers don't lie. It's eight of 16 from the free throw line, 14 turnovers, giving up points off of turnovers. Get it, get, it, they, they won the, the battle in the paint, but Oklahoma State couldn't shoot the ball pretty uh, very well. That The three-point line was the difference. Uh, you look at the seniors for, for Southern Illinois – uh, and they were they both got they got 32 shots up looking looking at D- Damask, the Marcus Damask and and Jones. Uh, they they got their shots up. They were unstoppable and guardable. Uh, it's, it's a little just just disappointing, a disheartening game when you're up pretty much the entire game until the last 21 seconds of that bout. Uh, but what can you expect? This is this is early on in the season. Transfers, uh, new system. Um, et cetera. But, you know, Rob obviously was pretty pumped about pumped about this one. Uh, <laughs> and they, the celebration was as if this was a, a game to get into the tournament. But um, yeah, tough. tough. Yeah, it was it, to say the least. It's it's tough, especially when Boyton can get back in the tournament this year. Like you can't drop some of these early season contests. Right. And one thing we know about Oklahoma State's roster, it's a bunch of athletes that are really good defensively. Like Mike Boynton has a type of player 
and it's big, long, rangy athletes that can switch positions defensively, and they can overwhelm you. The problem is, is they need an injection of skill somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know where it's going to come from. A Avery Anderson, you, you think he could be kind of this big time scorer, but he's never really been efficient. And he's a, he's a buck six, he's 165 pounds maybe. And all he does is get to the rim. He was seven of 15. He only took one three and he missed it. Uh, Bryce Thompson, the Kansas transfer, who was a McDonald's all American out of high school. A lot of people thought like this guy could be the score that the Cowboys would need to put them over the top. This They need an injection of skill. Musa Cisse is a defensive player of the year type of big nationally, not just in the Big 12, but nationally. Like They have a lot of guys that can get out, defend, overwhelm you on the defensive end. The only guy that really can shoot the ball is Caleb Asbury, who's a transfer, and he went three of six and probably could have played a little bit more. So, like, they have to find some ways to knock down shots. And sometimes when one guy does, and you know this, Pat, like when one guy hits shots, then, you know, it greases the wheels a little bit for the other guys. Shot making is contagious. I've said that a long time. Like, shot making is contagious. Is he getting enough shots to kind of spur his guys on? Because Bryce Thompson's got to be better. Avery Anderson's got to pose some kind of threat from outside because teams are going to pack it in, and then you put yourself – in a susceptible position when you can't score and offensively Oklahoma state over the past couple of years has not been the most talented offensively, but they sure are good on the other end. So like, where's the balance going to happen? Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't there tonight. I'll tell you that um, it, it, this offense to me, T.O., to the point of like needing some skill guys, uh, it just strikes me as like a handful of guys that, every given night can go get you 10 to 13. They right. don't have a guy that can get you 20. And I think uh, like when you have the athletes that they do have, and they're going to be all right defensively, if they just had one guy who you could pencil in for 17, 18 points every single night consistently, I think it would do them wonders. They don't have that though. And I, I think they would probably hope it's Anderson. Uh, I think maybe they would squint and say, could it be Bryce Thompson? Maybe, but neither one of those feel likely to happen. And I don't know that this bodes well because the Big 12 is a damn good conference. So if we have these type of offensive identity concerns in the non-conference to start the season, this sort of feels like the type of thing that could linger to me. Do you guys buy, just quickly, do you buy Oklahoma State as an NCAA tournament team this year? Obviously, the, last year they couldn't get there NCAA-wise, but this year, should they be an NCAA tournament team? T.O., what do you think? What was the record last year? I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but I don't think they would have made it last year regardless, right? And they, they still have the same issues that they had last year. They don't have guys that can score it. And I know you're looking that up, so go ahead. and. Yeah, no, I'm going to pull it. But I also, like, it, don't you think that kind of hung over their head, though, knowing it going into right. the season a little a bit? Little like. Bit. I, I would throw the record, not throw it entirely out the window, but at least like. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So let, let's let's pause it a little bit. They got the, they got going. They started out the season six and one last year. I just pulled it up. Like they started out the season six and one last year, and then they just kind of floundered in the in the conference in conference play. Like yeah. eight and t eight and ten, and at one point they were six and ten. Their last two wins, they got a home win against Texas Tech and at Iowa State, who was also floundering because they couldn't score either. Like it's, uh, I just feel like in that league, they're going to have seven teams in that league. 
that make it to the NCAA tournament, are they going to be able to creep up and score enough points to make that happen? They're in, they're in, they're on that seven, eight line. I will say that. Well, do you, would you take, would you take them over Texas A&M last year that did not get in in the tournament? No. And I think there, there is a level of pride, even though those sanctions were in, inputted uh, on them that say, Hey, well, let's prove, of course, you know, you're not going to get in. There's nothing you can do. You can't win enough games because no, the, the execute the judges made this decision uh but you know there's still some pride there to prove like hey we should have and if there was the opportunity that you know there was the the team of question last year that ever, a lot of people thought should have gotten in the tournament is texas a&m was oklahoma state better than a texas a&m last year no they weren't here's another thing too they were fourth nationally in defense last year 161st in offense according to kim pom this like Oklahoma State, like you got to be able to score, and they didn't make any major changes. They're dudes last year. They're dudes this year. Like you would hope they would take a step. Asbury could be that guy to kind of flip it on its head, but like he's got to play more. He's three or six today. Right. He's got to get more shots. Yeah, yeah and they lost. Point. They need a score. They need a 17, 18 point per game guy. Yeah, which and Avery he- Anderson could be if he could get to the foul line more. But he was seven to fifteen, and he didn't get to the line. And like, so that's kind of my hang up on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. And this guy's not a scorer, but they did lose likely to uh, Ohio state in the transfer Mm -hmm. portal. So it, it, yeah, it feels like the same team, maybe even a little watered down version of last year's team. I don't know that that bodes well for this program this season. Let's jump to another surprising result tonight. Although the more I'm looking at this one, guys, I don't know how surprising it is. I don't know if people are going to bite me for saying that or not, but Notre Dame three point win against Radford at home tonight. Uh, our, our good friend on the show here, Randolph Childress. Anytime we've talked about Notre Dame in the last two years that I've seen the guy, uh, RC always just says, who do they guard? Nobody. nobody. You know who they guard. They guard nobody. nobody. And that was, that was there tonight. I mean, anything Radford wanted, they got, uh, some big, big, big calls down the yeah, stretch. Yeah, not including this game. a favorable whistle. Not including I, a favorable whistle. I was gonna my say, man J, my man JP Prim was officiating that game. He's getting a phone call tomorrow. <laughs> oh, He's getting a phone call tomorrow. Oh boy. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. So, no, you're you're fine. Let's go right back to you, Tio. I mean, Notre Dame. Uh, it's a lot of the same dudes. If experience matters, if experience matters, this team should be good this year, right? How do you explain this result? in a three-point win against Radford? Uh, first of all, I I, I want to say this. Radford always finds dudes out of nowhere 
that you're just like, where the hell did this guy come from? He's really, really good, except for Brian Antoine, who transferred from Villanova. But Radford gets guys. That campus gets guys. I don't know what it's like. Carlick Jones, Anthony Polite, like they've had dudes throughout recent memory. So uh, it's not crazy to think like this Radford team is going to compete in the Big South. It's a good team. So that out of the way. Last year's team had two big things that this team does not, and that's uh, one, a lot of first round top 22 pick the other one is Prentice Hub and a guy who had been there for four years and really understood the offense and how to get guys involved JJ Starling can be that guy that's the thing that point guard play I feel like I got to hit the button I don't have the button I've got to buy a button but uh like Jeff Goodman's you know point guard play button but JJ Starling he showed up at the end of the game I thought Lashevsky was incredible but he needs points produced for him a little bit right that's where the point guard play comes in but it's, it's the same as every year with Notre Dame. Who are they going to guard? And the answer is not many people. Uh, but they also really need Starling to be excellent. And he has the potential to be excellent because he has all the tools that you would need. And he and he's point guard? It's supposed it, to be. It's hard to, to be a point guard with zero assists, my guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, but that's what he is. That's what he is. One. Is he actually point guard? I thought he was a two. Like I thought he was more uh, like a prototypical shooting guard type. Well, that, that's what everybody is coming into college now. There's no point guards. He was listed as a point guard. Okay. But but that kind of goes along with a like, it, you look at all these upsets. We were talking about this off air, guys. Like, you look at some of these upsets. Like, I was on the Florida State Stetson call. Like, Stetson had a pure point guard that was getting shots for other guys. Florida State tries to play Caleb Mills at the one. He's not a one. He's a scoring two guard. Like, who's going to make shots easier? Like, and now a lot of high majors don't have a – ton of point guard play because you pick these guys apart and then what happens is you kind of you struggle to get shots for other guys like jj starling is supposed to be a point guard that's what he was listed as he has all the like all the physical measurements to be a point guard he's going to have to develop into that role zero assist isn't going to do it but you know he's got to develop into that role Patrick, you you said this quickly at the top, but we need to very clearly state this number out loud 16 minutes from the bench for Notre Dame in this game as a whole 16 minutes from their bench. They played six guys, uh, five starters, four of them played 36 or more minutes. JJ Starling played 32. I mean, that cannot be sustainable for this team, right? No, not at all. It's just surprising this early in the season, especially, well, there's maybe there's just something we don't know uh, coming from the outside looking in. Uh, that that coach just feels more comfortable with with this roster, even though you know going up against a Big South team like Radford, still thinking that uh, you know even my starting guys, I got they got to figure it out right now. But the big, I mean, the big thing that just blares out to me is the points off of turnovers that Radford was able to turn Notre Dame over enough uh, to score 18 points off of turnovers that kept this game close because everything else is pretty much neck and neck. Uh, but yeah, keep in mind, keep in mind too, Pat, and I hate to interrupt, I hate to interrupt you, Pat, but like it was Notre Dame's first game. It was Radford's second. Mm. So like some of those jitters, you you know, Radford didn't have them like Notre Dame did. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, no, no, that's a good point. Who should be having jitters on this Notre Dame team though? Right. Of the five guys, four of them have been there four years. I mean, it's just Starling. Okay. So, so to, to, to contradict your point, like, Look at Dane Goodwin. Like he can score on his own some, but you got to get it to him first in the mid post. Like Nate Lejewski, he's a pick and pop guy. 
He's a come off a screen guy. Like somebody's got to get it to him first. So like those things are going to take time to kind of organize. Cormac Ryan, he can handle it a little bit for you, but he's just going to bring it up. There's a big difference between being a point guard and being somebody who can just bring it, bring the ball up the floor. Like I thought like I was a point guard because I could dribble it up. Not true. Not true. No. I'm here to shoot. Right. You know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. Like you, there's a big <laughs> difference between the two. Right. So like JJ Starlin's got to develop into that point guard. Last year they had two of them. That's I, to me, that's the biggest thing. Uh, when you look at that thing. So I think J.J. Starling could have been nervous. It's his first college game. Hey, I uh, thoughts and prayers that J.J. Starling gets less nervous going forward because this team is going to need it. That's all I'm saying, T.O. I know, I know you, yeah, I know you got to hold the flag for the conference, but ugh, I'm I, I'm don't on red alert. We're too Dame. early. Don't do that. I'm don't on red that. alert for no, Notre Dame. That's all. That. That's all. I had, to correct, I had to correct my man Jim Root the other day. He's like, they son and the – ACC's two and two. Like, come on, man. It's a little too early. Like, let's yeah, pump fair. the brakes a little bit. Let's at least get to Thanksgiving. Then we can. Yeah, before we this. start hitting all this one bit ACC nonsense. Sure. Like, <laughs> Listen, you get to throw it in everybody's face after the way the postseason went last year, as you should, by the way. So, yeah. uh, you know, Th- I'd rather you. have that. I'd rather thank have you, that. Thank no you, problem. Uh, okay. <laughs> We're going to jump uh, in a few short moments to uh, an interview that our own Jeff Goodman was able to get. Uh, But first, there's one more team I want to talk about tonight a little bit in depth for about five minutes before we jump to that, and it's Creighton. One of the most divisive teams in the country to start the season, I would say. It seems like everybody either loves or is entirely out on this team. Uh, The discrepancy between where they are ranked on Ken Palm and where they are ranked in the AP poll, one of the biggest discrepancies, 20 spot difference between ninth in the polls and 29th on Ken Palm going into tonight's game. They looked horrible in game one. Uh, it was a two point game with 10 minutes left. And atrocious, then, atrocious, atrocious. <laughs> and then tonight, I mean, they shot absolutely lights out. They were up 31 points at halftime in a game that was a 30 and a half point spread with our friends at Bet Rivers. Uh, and then actually they, they kind of got outplayed in the second half. I don't know that anybody's going to talk about it, but, uh, McDermott had to put the starters back in with about five minutes left just to make sure they ended up winning this thing by 40. So look, Baylor Shireman is one of the more fascinating players to watch how he's integrating with this group of sophomores. He looks very good to me offensively. Like it's seamless the way that they're incorporating him and the way he's creating looks. He's got more passing than I realized, uh, defensively. He's a black hole in a bad way, though, from what I've seen. Patrick, uh, from what you've seen with Creighton, do you buy these guys as contenders on a national level this season? Well, I, I wonder, how how do you handle the expectation? Best best preseason ranking of school history, uh, great recruiting class, uh, potential chance to, to make a run in the tournament last year. From what I saw tonight, because I didn't see the first game, just saw was able to watch the uh, look at the stats. I was impressed. Um, certainly impressed by Trey Alexander. He shot the ball with confidence today, knocked down four threes, finished. He shot 28% last year. And, you know, that's not a, a number that uh, from, from someone that's leading your team um, that you think is going to help. The biggest question with Creighton coming to the season was, uh, is their offense going to be able to help their defense? Because defensively, they they look great. Hand, active hands, rotations, getting in positions, obviously have the, one of the best shot blockers in the country. Um, I really like Kaluma. Man, he's a dog. 
He didn't shoot it very well. He's a bad boy, isn't he? He's a bad boy. He's he he's a bad boy. He's going to be tough. But I, I'm I'm interested to see how they're going to do in the Big East. Um, overall, uh, I, I do like um, the effectiveness that they had on the glass tonight. I mean, out rebounded North Dakota State, North, North Dakota by 29. Um, the ball moved. The ball moves so well uh, with the offense. Sometimes it did get a little bit stagnant, but it. From the first game to second game, huge. Maybe it was just the jitters. It had just to be the the preseason, and that's you know we're going to get in that later on on the show on uh, why you have the, the, these games early on because basketball obviously is not like like football where uh, every game matters as much. You know, you lose two, and uh, I'm not making it to the college football playoffs. You can lose a few uh, in basketball just to figure things out. So why not take the risk and play a much tougher game early on? Yeah, and there's not a whole lot of downside to losing that early on to no. a tougher game, right? Uh, what what do we not know that we knew three weeks ago about Creighton? Like, Kyle Grainer's going to clean up a lot of mess. I think that's the big thing about Baylor Shireman that makes it okay is because he has Kyle Grainer behind him. And I think the other three guys, when they have their starting unit out there, are good enough to kind of cover for him a little bit, uh, as long as there's not a crazy isolation score. Like, who in the who in the ACC in the Big East is that type of isolation score to where you're really going to be able to take advantage of him one on one? Like, it, it, and it really only shined in the first three or four minutes uh, when the freshman from North Dakota started to attack him a little bit. After that, kid kind of disappeared a little bit. So, is it more position wise? I think he's smart. He's smart enough of a kid to be able to figure that out. Plus, he has enough help behind him to where you can just make guys shoot over the top. But Greg, you alluded to it. It's not just his shot making. The dude, the dude sees it. Yeah. And basketball guys know what I'm talking about when I say he sees it. Like guys cutting, how the defense is shifting offensively. He can handle it. I don't know what it is with these older uh forwards like last year they had Hawkins this year they have you know Shireman Shireman's a little bit more talented we all know that but at the same time kind of somebody that can facilitate and shoot the ball really at a high rate and kind of be another point guard but at a point forward right and that's pretty good whenever you have Trey Alexander and uh oh gosh uh Nimbard Nimbard like you have both of those guys so you have all these guys that can make decisions. It just makes them deadly. And then Kaluma is one of the best isolation scores in the Big East. And like he is a really good player, but a good pump fake, uh, plays with excellent pace. Like this Creighton team's every bit what they're hyped up to be. I wonder how far it's going to go. Yeah, I think I was most curious uh, when Shireman announced he was attending Creighton in the offseason. My first thought was, beyond just fit individually for him. Like, I wonder if it's going to feel like he has to adjust to the speed of this team and the size of this team and just the big East level, or maybe like are those other four sophomores going to have to feel like they're adjusting to him a little bit and watching that today. Like it almost felt more like that. Like I think Shireman himself is is pretty seamlessly integrated into the way this offense is going to run right now almost to the point where he was seeing some things some of the other guys weren't. Like Alexander and Kaluma, uh, I think were almost like a, a half step slow, not knowing what to expect Chiron was going to do when he created an advantage sometimes. So I think it's going to be fascinating the more they play to see them sort of catch up to speak. Because I think the IQ collectively of this team offensively is pretty damn high. Yeah. Uh, I, I think defensively is the big concern. But like you said, when you've got 
Kaluma and Kalkbrun are there, they can really just eat up a lot of things uh, in the, the the center of that defense, at least when they get to Big East play. So I'm impressed. Let's just go uh, one word answer for me quickly. Contender or pretender? I'm talking national title level. Contender or pretender for Creighton this year? Patrick, what do you national think? National title? Yeah. Can this team win a title? Yes or no? Pretender. I don't think they I don't think they have enough to to win it all. I think they have enough for an, a, a sweet 16 elite eight run, but not enough to get get through there. I don't think so. Okay. TL? I, I think elite eight. Elite eight is a good spot for them. <laughs> I don't want to say I don't want to say pretender because you make it to the elite eight, you got dudes. Right. Right. Like uh, national championship. I think that's a little far-fetched. Okay. Okay. That sounded like a like a disappointed parent, T.O. You said, you said I didn't want to like, pretender or pretender. It's one I'm of the two. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed in the question. Yeah. Right. That's okay. Right. All right. So, Understood. They're, they're, I'll hold the flag, man. I'll, I think they can win a national title. I'm not saying they will, but I, I think they can. If they play to their ceiling, we'll see how crazy I look when Villanova gets healthy by conference play. Um, all right. We alluded to this, but we got a, an interview from our own Jeff Goodman, who was at the Towson UMass game tonight. Towson walks away with a 67 to 55 victory over UMass. Uh, man, they look is, good. Bar here is Jeff Goodman uh, with Pat Scary, Towson head coach. All right, here with Towson coach Pat Scary. Big win at UMass over Frank Martin. And, uh, you know, Timberlake, you, you said he was good. He was really good tonight. He, he was not great in the opener, but, man, 27 points, efficient, terrific defensively. He was a stud tonight. Yeah, he was excited, you know, get back home, stayed. Yeah. He carried us, made big shots. Him and Holden obviously carried us. They played like first-team all-league guys. You need to do that against UMass and Frank Martin team. It's just a hard, it's hard to play against them. How important was this? Because, again, you come in with huge expectations, right? Three guys on the first team, uh, preseason all-league team in the CAA. Everybody's picking you to win this thing. You know, how important is it to get off to a start like this and get a good road win? It's good. The quick yeah. turnaround gets yeah. you get the next yeah. one coming, you know. But it's good. Any road win, especially against the, you know, a team that I think will be a big factor in the Atlantic 10, is a, is a really good win for our program and, and, and our university. And we still got a lot of stuff to to get better at what is what's the biggest key for this team that you need to see obviously listen it all comes down to three days at the end of you know february and march but what's the biggest thing that you need to see from this team uh over the next few months yeah hopefully stay relatively healthy and and then just continue to you know players leading the team the more that we have with our older guys i think the better chance we have of getting where we hope to get you got him on the glass tonight, which is important, right, for you, especially against the Frank Martin team. Yeah, we challenge our guys. We use the old Pat Riley saying, uh, no rebounds, no rings. You know, we know they're an elite rebounder team. And, and honestly, we didn't rebound well in our exhibition game or the other night. So I, I was happy to see us kind of get back to our identity tonight. My favorite part of the, the night still was when, I don't remember which ref it was, I think it might have been Brent Hampton, when you yelled and screamed at him, and then you gave him a big hug right afterwards. I gave him a big hug. We had a great crew tonight. He's very cute. Yeah, very cute. I like him. He's a good guy. No, you <laughs> had a great crew. Listen, we you're did. not going to see a crew like this again all year. We had a Final Four crew, yes. and, and that that FC did a did a great job. All right, congrats. Thanks, brother.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Click the subscribe button. You can also listen to us on the Sirius XM app. We are presented by the folks at Bet Rivers. T.O., yes. big win for Towson tonight. You like Towson? Man, yeah. How good How good is Nick Timberlake? Oh, man. Like, like that dude, If I, I'm not sure how tall he is. He looks about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, out there. But if there's a smoother-looking jump shot than his, in college basketball period, I'd be shocked. Towson's one of the best mid-majors in the, in the country. They've got size. Uh, Cam Holden's a nice player. A little unorthodox. A little unorthodox. But uh, Towson's going to be a tough out for anybody they play. Scary's done a terrific job with those guys. He's switched up his style a little bit from the last past couple of years. Uh, just in kind of the the way his team goes about uh Ways of, way they go about it on offense, so I think that's interesting. But Timberlake was was a joy to watch, man. That guy, that ball comes off his hand so nice, and he's got such good form on that shot. Like, it's refreshing. Because I, I just feel like we watch so much college basketball, guys. We see some funky releases. Yeah. Like, we'll see him back over here. We'll see him up under the chin, like two-handed, like weird, like follow-throughs out to the side. Timberlake, man, that's that's a as about a pure a jump shot as you're going to see. I gotta say, to your to your point, Tio, shame on the coaches that let kids shoot that way. <laughs> yeah, shame on shame on you. You knew their shot was funky. <laughs> funky. You knew it was all messed up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Nick Nick Timberlake, man, he he came out and he was a player today. Uh, but I want to give my hats off to the Towson defense. If it wasn't for Matt Cross with Massachusetts in that first half. Uh, the starting five for Matt UMass had five points in the first half. Five points in the first half. And uh, Towson just did a fancy. Whenever UMass scored, the ball was on the other side of the court in a heartbeat. It's like, I know Frank Martin was pulling his hair out. I, I, he already has pulled his hair out because because he I, when, when I played against him in uh, when I, my days in Florida, uh, I always thought that he was going to kill somebody with how frustrated he got. He I said some of the funniest things too. Oh like, man. I, I was I've never been more intimidated by a coach in my life. But you know, so one of the things that just drives coaches crazy is not getting back on defense after scoring a basket. And I just had to imagine that Frank Martin was pretty frustrated. But it's it's early. Um, I think for him he, he did it as good a job as he could filling in with that program. And UMass has a great coach uh, that's going to help them help to develop that program. But hats off to Towson tonight. They were fantastic. Have you, have you sat across, I know you do a ton of work with the SEC network. Have you ever sat across the the court from him and sat and watched him coach? No, it is awesome. <laughs> like this guy, he gets like, you know, he's screaming and yelling and stuff. He gets right here. Like there is, there is not a whole lot of room 
And like he gets into his guys. But the thing is, is his guys respond to him because he loves them up. Like, right. like he like his guys respond. I, I really like Frank. There, there's he's got such a jovial demeanor when he's off the court, but as soon as he crosses the lines, man, like you just see the gangster come out. And you <laughs> yeah. gotta love you love you gotta love Frank, but it's gonna take him a little while. They do have some talent. We all know that. Cross was a good player, both Miami and Louisville. He just never really found his footing. Uh, the transfer from UConn, I'm slipping on his name right now. He's got Diggins, right? He's got some. He's got some uh, some stuff to his game that's going to continue to to unfold as he's there. It's just it takes a, a second to implement the kind of culture that Frank Martin would like his team to play with because that toughness is a different level of toughness, and that takes time. Yeah, certainly does. Uh, I, as an unbiased partisan. Love watching Frank Martin coach Love. through my television screen. I mean, that's one of the most fun guys to watch in that spot uh, in the entire sport. And quickly, Tio, were you born with a pretty jump shot? Do you have to put a lot of hours of work into, into making that thing just seamless and smooth? Just just way too many hours. And, and another thing is, too, my, da- my, my dad fixed my shot when I was in third grade. I'll never forget it because he quit letting me shoot threes. And he goes, if you're going to shoot, I'm going to rebound for you. This is why you're going to shoot it. And I sh- I've shot the same shot since third grade, and I shot it a lot. So, like, it takes a lot of repetition in order to get to where you're comfortable and it feels good. That's awesome. Uh, as someone who put nowhere near the amount of work into you that still has a two-handed follow-through on his jump shot, uh, we're not going to jump shot form shame here, okay? I'm not going to do what these two are doing. If you got an ugly jumper that goes in, I respect you. I'll cheers to you. Let's go. Uh, let's go to three teams quick. You have a two. You have a two-handed release. Hey, I I said it. I said what I said. To we don't need to rehash that. We, we have need to get you. To we need to get about. you to the final four pickup game because I got to see this in action. Why, why do you think I called in sick that day, T.O.? Uh, that, there's a lot of reasons you called in sick in New Orleans. Uh, let's at move nine, on quick. Nine a.m. Let's, yeah. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> We uh we have three teams in the top twenty five tonight that won comfortably, and we're gonna go speed round on this. I'm talking Texas, who held Houston Christian, aka Houston Baptist, to thirty one points in a fifty one point victory. You do the math on how many they scored, but thirty one points given up in that game from the Longhorns. We had Texas Tech, who dominated Texas Southern. Kevin O'Banner looked great, and then we had Indiana in my Big Ten, who actually made shots tonight and blew out Bethune Cookman. So I want to go around the horn. We'll go to to Pat here first. Pick one between Texas, Texas Tech, and Indiana. Who do you think is the biggest national factor this season? And tell me why. Hmm. Hmm. Of those three, uh, I am going to lean on Indiana. I love the seniority leadership of Trace Jackson Davis a guy that uh, knows his his role, knows how to how to score, help his team win. It, it's hard, man. I, I think all three of them are tournament teams. Um, they're, they're certainly all, all three tournament teams. I think Texas Tech, it, they got to give the ball to my, my boy Kevin O'Banner more. He is just a stud. He's efficient, shoots it well, knows how to score, knows how to use his body. Um, I got to spend a little bit more time watching Texas before I can give – my thoughts on that, but as of now, I'm I'm honed in on Indiana. Yeah, I like I, I I like Indiana a lot. I don't know why it's doing this right now, but uh, I like Indiana because of Trace Jackson Davis. He gives you a different yeah. element. 
And not, not only that, he's so efficient in how he plays. He's smart. He can face your five man up and use his quickness to get around. He's a good passer. He's got huge hands. He catches everything. And then now they've got guys who can hit shots on a given night. I think that's a big thing. Uh, Malik Renault was an excellent addition. Uh, big man, Jalen Hood Shafino. He's another guy that can guard a little bit besides that Devin Booker clip on Instagram that went nuts where he's like, I want two. I want two, three, and they – yeah, that was on Jalen. But I digress. I, I, I like Indiana because I like their pieces. I think Xavier Johnson's a very good player. Uh, I think he fits that roster when he's playing really well. It, he's as good a point guard as there is in the Big Ten. And to be honest with you, I don't think that league's as good as it typically is, Greg. I hate to say it. But I also think because of the matchups and the talent they have at, their, at certain positions, one, two, and five, like – you can give a lot of teams problems because of that. So out of those three, I feel like Indiana has the highest ceiling. Uh, I, I just can't dodge the culture of what uh, Mark Adams is doing down there at Texas Tech and what, what Chris Beard started, Mark Adams has elevated, right? And, and they just continue to do the same thing. They're recycling rosters year after year, and they still find ways to be tough, efficient, and effective. Like – all three teams are very good. Texas, I wonder, like, are they going to be able to shoot it? At one point today, I think they were like one for 16 from three. Like, that was that was the same problem they had last year. Today, they just overwhelmed Houston Christian or Houston Baptist or whatever denomination that Houston school is. But, like, they like they overwhelmed them. That's why they beat them so bad. They're going to – you can't overwhelm other Big 12 teams. So, I have a little bit of hesitancy with the Longhorns. So, I, I want to just quickly say I think it – I didn't even think of this when I lumped these three together, but as I'm starting to think about this and listening to your guys' answers, uh, I think all three of these programs, I feel like it's safe to say we kind of know what to expect at this point. And I think Indiana is the one who might look the most different from historically. One, because Mike Woodson is you know, still relatively new in his role as head coach, but two, because of the freshman, because of Hood Shafino, because of Malik Renault, and because of how down the conference is, as you said, T.O. But like Texas since Chris Beard has arrived at Texas has essentially just been this amalgamation of random guys who are all individually very good basketball players. The talent is never the question, but the fit is a concern. And Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr together is a little clunky for me, but it would have shocked me if they made a run to the final four. Not at all. Would it shock me if they won the big 12? Maybe just because I think Baylor's really good and bill self still exists. But I think that's going to hold true with Texas, where they lose a lot of games that frustrate us with how talented they are. And then they win some games that's like, oh, yeah, this team could do everything in front of them. Texas Tech, it doesn't matter what the names on the back of the jerseys are. We know what to expect from Texas Tech at this point. And it's what Chris Beard built. It's what Mark Adams took over. On opening night, that arena was bumping. If you saw the video of that, more than any other place in the country that I've seen. And I think they're going to miss Fardaz. But if they can get him back at some point, I don't know if he's going to come back at some point or not. But I, I would really like that roster. Now, with Indiana, what's fascinating to me is I think it does come down to making shots. But... The same way that we we just talk about Texas Tech having a winning culture, Indiana doesn't have that. And if you look at those experienced guys, Miller Cop, Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis have played 11 seasons in college at three different programs, and they've never finished higher than eighth in their conference wow. between those 11 seasons. So, it, yes, it's great that they're back. Trace Jackson Davis, a hell of a player. 
But these guys have never won anything in college. So to me, if they do rise above one, it's because the conference is down. But two, it's because those freshmen are special. And I think yeah. Hutchifino could be that. I think Renault looks the part right now. Still have questions where he fits in with Race Thompson. Uh, and I almost, you know, with, with Trace, with Race, and with Malik, I don't know how you balance that. You're never going to play the three of them together. Uh, but you're right. I think you guys hit the nail on the head that that's probably the highest ceiling team of the three if they can. Get it also team. helps that they're playing in the basically the Missouri Valley this year. Oh, come on. We're not. <laughs> what what'd you say 20 minutes ago? It's too early for this, T.O. It's too early. I know it's after dark, but come on now. We're not throwing shots like that. <laughs> that's going to eat me alive, my friend. <laughs> I'm losing sleep over that tonight. Listen, the Big Ten uh, is going to be bad, very clearly. We know that. But uh, that doesn't mean they can't get seven teams in the tournament again. They'll probably do that. That's true. That's true. That's true. They'll do that. So six of them can lose in the first round. Yeah, we, I didn't say we were going to talk about what happens oh, when we get there, sir. Okay. I, hey, hey, Pat, here's my thing. Here's my thing with the Big Ten. And I've said this time and time again, and I probably shouldn't. But, but like, I'm sick of the Big Ten doing great in the early part of the season because I got a bunch of old dudes. Like, it's not a league that relies on transfers like that, like the ACC and the SEC. Like, it takes time to kind of, like, get these guys to, like – figure each other out big 10 doesn't have to worry about that they've been in fran mccaffrey system for 14 years like you know what i mean like that's the thing yeah but that's let's no, let's hold but on your, your ceiling's not as high your Theo, you are high. you are the hardest working man that i've met in this business but that right there was a little bit of a lazy take my friend because Is why it? was why was the big 10 good last year it was because they had a bunch of fifth year guys or was it because johnny davis is a sophomore and keegan murray as a sophomore were really really effing good they were really freaking good that's not experience. All right, so that was two players. Give me more. I mean, th- but those were the guys that drove the narrative of the conference. We sat here and talked about how Johnny Davis was the national player of the year for three months last year. Yeah, and I was on that. I was on that train. I was on that train. But still, like, look at <laughs> look at the rest of his team that was with him. <laughs> well, right. But yeah. that's why that's why it's down to me is because those guys aren't there. There aren't who are the sophomores this year. Like, there aren't those. You're hoping the freshmen at Indiana are really good. You're hoping the transfers at Illinois are really good. Everybody else, yeah. it's they're gone, right? So that would be my only pushback. Like, I, I just, yeah. I just heard all this one. I heard all this one bit ACC nonsense for You're so right. long, only to see two, two in the Final Four, and what was it three in the Elite Eight? Just throwing that out there because it takes time. Like Miami had some bad losses in the early part of the season, so bad losses, yeah, yeah, and they then did. they made the Elite Eight because they had dudes, and the dudes figured out how to play with each other. You did. Dudes. I, I'm getting flashbacks to a certain casino in Philadelphia, T.O. You trying to tell me that you got to trust this Miami team round one. I said, no chance. <laughs> no chance. I got the slips to show that you were correct and I was wrong, my friend. All right. Me and Arch. Me and Arch. We, uh, we got five minutes left and there's a huge game tomorrow. We need to talk about it. So we're going to jump to it. Michigan State Gonzaga. This is the best game oh. of the season thus far. Uh, I guess you can debate how huge of a game it is because you can debate how good Michigan State is. You can't debate how good Gonzaga is. So, Patrick, how excited are you for this game and what are you looking out for that could potentially decide how this game goes? I'm very excited. I'm thrilled. Uh, that First off, to have a game worth watching, that's like, oh, man, let's freaking go. Let's, uh, let's see a battle uh, early on here in the season. What better matchup um, for Michigan State to go up against 
a tenured team like Gonzaga. Uh, I remember last year, Drew Timmy just came out of the gates, gun blazing. What he dropped like 38 this for like one of the first or second game against a good, good competition. Um, there's always a lot of question marks on the Michigan State Izzo teams, but he's a great recruiter. Uh, it's early. I just hope it's not, I hope it's not a blowout. I'm really more interested to see the Tennessee game, the one that's coming up after that, uh, just because of Tyreek Key. Let's not forget that name. Let's not forget that name, Tyreek Key. He is a stud. And I, hopefully Tennessee shoots less, is a little bit more efficient. They took, they shot 44 threes last game. Uh, I it was think too they, much. Yeah, way too much. So, I mean, t- 12 points in the paint. Uh, not their game, but Tyreek Key came off the bench like a veteran, knew his, his role. Uh, can't wait to see what he's going to do and how he's going to help this team uh, in the long run. T.L., what do you think? Gonzaga, Michigan State. I'm going back to that. I'm just going to ignore all the Tennessee propaganda we just heard from Patrick. You can come back to that if you'd like, T.O. You're a Southern gentleman. But Michigan State, Gonzaga, that's where my head is at. Did, can Michigan State have a chance in this game, yes or no? I, I, Drew Timmy's really good, and who's on the inside for Sparty? That's I'm gonna it. say you. You know who's not really good? Mati Sissoko and Jackson Kohler. That's they're young, they're young. So I, I think that's kind of a tough one. It's gonna it's gonna be hard on Michigan State, but I mean, they are what they are. Malik Hall's still there, right? How was he? Eight years, eight years deep, nine years deep. However long he is, he's he's he was the go-to guy for them last year. And then you get your point guards that have a year under their belt. Like Michigan State's gonna compete. And they're going to be like, don't bet against them in Big Ten play. Like, just don't bet against them. But I think it might be tough, especially when uh, Gonzaga has that ability to go inside out uh, whenever they have inexperience in the front court for Michigan State. Is, isn't that going to be on an aircraft carrier? That is on an aircraft carrier. I that was is so that, fire. Uh, it, it's, it'll be fun to watch. Just, I mean, I don't want to put this out there, but knock on wood, there's no injuries in that game. That's my biggest fear. I mean, it's yeah. just a terrible place to play a basketball game, if we're being honest about it. But uh, the fanfare of it will definitely be cool. And by the way, we mentioned the merch store earlier, field of 68shop We have a Champions Classic special collection we've just added. That's next week, but there's a Spartan Dog shirt in there that if you're a Michigan State fan, you're going to want to get your hands on. Uh, 20% off if you use the code CHAMPIONS between now and next Wednesday. Field of 68.shop to get that. Patrick, I got to go back because I cut you off on Tennessee. Uh, I love what I've seen from Tennessee quickly this year. I mean, it, small sample size concerns, obviously. I don't know that people knew what to expect losing the, the talent they lost after last year with Kennedy Chandler, but they got some dudes still. But Rick Barnes is still the coach of this team. I mean, is that like that matters when we get to March? We talk about teams underachieving and their seasons dying out in March, right? Or no? Yeah, and I I gotta be honest, I was I was extremely disappointed. I was I loved that kid Kennedy Chandler last year as a Kai Ziegler, uh, Santiago Bescovy. They're just players. They knew how to play well with each other. Zakai Ziegler was the best player on that team for a span, and in the SEC tournament, oh my goodness, if 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 that was going to be something that 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 foreshadowed that this team was going to make a run. I because they smothered everyone in the tournament. Uh, they just ran up against a hot Michigan team that was able to take away their strengths. But this, this team that we're looking at now, they're still figuring things out. Um, hopefully 44 threes. That's a, that was the second most in Tennessee basketball history. Uh, Zakai himself shot 12 of them. It was two for 12. 
But they got JoJo James, man. He's a stud. Olivier Kamwa, when he's healthy, Plavšić filling in the paint. But I really love seeing Tyreek. He uh, having plays for him coming down some, coming off some down screens, getting right to his rhythm, uh, knocking down his shots. He can score in the paint as well. The the big question mark: Are they going to be able to defend as well as they did last year? Um, They didn't lose a lot, so it it is it is possible. so I'm I'm hot, but yeah, again, Rick Barnes' team um, hasn't made it that far in the in the tournament, but you know you're you're I'm expecting them to win 25 games this year, uh, something up there, and hopefully this is the year where they get through. Uh, I'm I'm really expecting um, big things for them this year, uh, but it's going to be tough because they you know SEC is the best league in the country, uh, so it's going to be some battles in there first that they're going to have to deal with. Yeah, you heard me, T.O. Yeah, you heard me. Uh, I will. I, <laughs> Tennessee's good, and I think losing Kennedy Chandler decluttered some things. I, I think losing John Fulkerson decluttered some things. Um, like Olivier Kamwa uh, is, is a really good player, and he is offensively he's more skilled than John Fulkerson. But I think Rick Barnes really trusted Fulky. I think that was the big thing. So like whenever it came down to it, like he wanted somebody in the game that he knew was going to be able to run what he wanted them to run, and that was going to happen. And I know what you're thinking, but Fulke's making a good living in Belgium right now. So <laughs> that's but, fine. But he but, should have but been going, he should have been going the, the year before. He was he was I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, well, he, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But I, I do think Kamwa's upside is much higher than what Fulkerson's was. And you, it gives you that going back to the same thing, lineup <laughs> versatility, right? Like Conway can step out, he can shoot it, he can make some plays happen. And then Zakai Ziegler, it's now his show. And whenever you take him out, Vescovy can be your primary ball handler and you slow the pace, you go bigger. You can go more switchable without Zakai in there. But Barnes's best teams have always been with small point guards. When you have something that comes in after it, that you, you're able to get bigger uh, in the short term when you move Vescovy over. Uh, look at TJ Ford at Texas. Look, last year, Kennedy Channel, like that was a very good team last year. Look at even back to when he was coaching at Clemson. It was Terrell McIntyre, who I'm not sure you guys know who that is, but he was a dude, still a dude. Played for Montepaschi Siena, all-time leading scorer. He was a dude. But it like it's it, – I really like the Tennessee team because of their lineup versatility, their talent, their ability to shoot the ball. And I think Tyreek Key, to go along with what you're saying – uh, he provides an element off the bench for that team that where if things aren't going well, he gives you a spurtability factor. I stole that word. Spurtability factor that I'm not sure the Vols had last season. Hashtag spurtability factor. And look, Patrick, no matter what happens with Rick Barnes and the Tennessee Vols this season, you and I can both sleep soundly knowing that it doesn't matter because the NCAA tournament's fluky. Bad teams make final four runs. Look at last year. That's all we need to know. Good teams don't always win. Bad teams make runs, right, TL? Got to show up, though. Got to show up. <laughs> it's true. You got to. This going to be a season long battle between me and Mister Oglesby over here. Hey, if you want to, if you want to champion the Big Ten this year, go up, be my guest. I don't. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've jumped ship from the Little Ten. I'm jumping on the SEC bandwagon with with hey, my boy go. Pat here, though. Let's do it. Gotcha. All right, gentlemen. This was fun. Uh, shout out to producer Trevor for for pairing with us on this show. I was just so damn excited to be back on the field of 68 after dark. College hoops is back, folks, and uh, we will be back. I believe tomorrow night and then this weekend as well. Uh, shows every single night all season long subscribe to the field of 68 after dark and we'll see you again tomorrow night